0: Hi, I'm Mike Sklens, and this is Nintendo World Report's Connectivity Podcast, Episode 173, Splatooned. Uh, First, I have to apologize for the lack of a show last week. There was just a scheduling mishap, and we just uh, missed getting it posted on time. I'm really sorry about that. We will try to make sure it never happens again. But now on to this week's episode. First up, we have a segment with Alex, Nick, and Zach, and they just talk about what they've been playing. We haven't done one of those in a while, so we thought we'd do it again. And after that, Alex is joined by Chris and Greg from the Player One podcast on a recent episode of Nintendo News Report. Uh, Don't forget to send us your favorite shooter tracks, whether that be shmups or FPSs, we will be recording that segment soon. And enjoy the episode.
1: Hey everybody, and welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo World Report Connectivity! I am your host, Alexander Kalafi, and for this segment, I am joined by Nicholas Bray, Hello, Hello, and one Mr. Zachary Miller. I have nothing witty today. (laughs) That's fine, because we don't need wit, as we have new games to talk about that we have been playing in this past week, or in some cases slightly longer than that. (laughs) <laughs> uh, you, 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 know, you know how this segment works if you've been listening to Connectivity for a while. We all go around, we talk about the games we've been playing, hopefully some people have something that can connect to that, and then that'll be a segment. So, let's get started. I got a big game to start us off with. I have been playing The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask 3D on the Nintendo 3DS. And yeah, me too. That is excellent. Because... I have never played Majora's Mask before. This is my first time playing Majora's Mask, even even counting not beating it. This was the first time I was holding a controller and controlling Link in a game called The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. I had barely seen any of this game beforehand even, so it was almost like a new Zelda to me. Uh, for all intents and purposes. And I had played Ocarina of Time before, but uh, the 3DS version was the first time I actually properly beat OOT. And I actually loved the shit out of that game. I ended up beating it twice, clocked about 50 hours. And it's probably my favorite Zelda. Uh, for what Zelda. it's worth. Anyways, I have been playing Majora's Mask 3D. And I liked the first two or three hours I've played so far. And that this isn't going in a negative direction. I've only played two or three hours. But I I did like the opening sections. I got the uh, the ocarina. It's it's still the ocarina in this game. That that's still what it is, right?
2: Right? Yeah, it's it's course. been a
1: few weeks since I I cracked those introductory hours and, and I like the fact that it is so dark and like wildly depressing and unapologetically so. Like in that way it doesn't really feel like a Zelda game. And it, it it's like it's almost like not even that linear in a lot of ways because it's the world feels open, and it feels like, even if you don't have that much agency, the, the game does a good job of making you feel like you have some sort of agency. Sure. Uh, yeah. If you know what I'm mm-hmm. talking about. And then it also has new stuff like, or new stuff for me anyways, like transformations, like Mario-ass style transformations for Link, which is a brand new thing. So all that stuff was dandy, and I clocked about three hours in, and I was having a good time. Then... Games got in the way, and I put it down for a few weeks, and I just picked (laughs) it up again uh, yesterday, and I got to the point where... So you know how you start the game, you get to the Deku, it's called Deku, right? Yep. Okay, the Deku...
3: The Deku Palace, yeah. the,
1: The Deku Palace, and you, like, you free the guy from the jail, you do all those, like, interesting stealth sections, and then you get to that point that's, like, not exactly a temple... But it's it's like that first area you go into where there's the area like four be- right bridges before the temple. It's where the fairy is. Where you go into a room in the back and yeah. there's like the ferry there. That's as far as I got, and now I'm lost. Mm-hmm. And now that I'm lost in this game and it's been a few weeks, it's really hard to pick back up again. And that's less of a fault with the game and more of a fault with me not willing to put in the time because I I'm not willing to look up this stuff on Game so I have to do this stuff myself. So well,
3: mm-hmm. so um you got to the area where the first temple was. Did you activate the statue? You could just walk straight there and go inside.
2: Yeah. So there's a temple. Alex, there's, is the
1: statue in the fairy place?
2: You, no, no, no. Alex, you have to go to there's like a one of the uh pieces of land you can land on in that swamp area says, "Oh, there's this there's this thing that it looks like they used to prey on or something."
1: And then uh, once I do that I get uh, into the temple. You have
2: to play the princess the the theme.
3: Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, while the song standing the on that you. rock. Okay, the song the monkeys play, I mean which I already have. And once I do that next to that rock, I will then on get the to the first temple.
2: Correct. Yeah, it'll raise That's, out It's not water. obvious yeah. at all. It took me forever to figure that out.
1: Okay, so it's not it's not that crazy of me that I had no idea and got a little disheartened no uh, okay that's good that's actually excellent i have something to go back to and i can keep playing this game which makes me really happy another I thing another thing first... quickly oh okay. yeah go
3: ahead um sorry i'm just gonna say another thing, thing quickly if you're like confused you could just go to that little rock in the windmill uh, the clock tower oh the rock yeah. and um that's get true. the hint the hint video it would have t- probably shown you exactly what to do.
1: Oh, the the hint videos like cover every single thing. Like I didn't do this in Ocarina Time either. The uh the hint. No, I, I
3: didn't use it in Ocarina either, but I tried it um, once in Majora so far, and it basically um, just gave you a quick few flashes of video and basically showing you like the next section. Like it, it it'll probably cover that. I would assume that sort of stuff.
1: Okay. Uh and does the game continue to be super confusing Obtious? on this part? Eh, yeah, if you want. Like I don't see this as necessarily a fault of the game even though I was complaining about how I didn't want to go back to it. Like I think it's cool that this game has that a uh, puzzle-based difficulty set in without apologizing for doing so, but it's uh is is the rest of the game this challenging?
3: Um, it's probably the hardest 3D Zelda game ever made. I would say. Okay.
1: So yeah, this is only the first area. That, it I gets a lot harder. Be, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, I'm so, I'm through yeah. the
2: first dungeon, and it's it's a tough ass game. I mean, the first dungeon's tough to get through in one three day cycle.
1: Really?
3: You need to For slow. Me, was, just, anyway. I, I always slow the time down. Yeah, you like, have
2: to use the song of slow time. Yeah, that that helps. Do me I lot. get that yeah. in the temple? No, nope, you have to figure that, that out yourself. Play play okay. the song of time backwards.
1: Oh, well now when I can it, figure it out for myself.
3: Some of the NPCs in Clocktown tell you about it. Uh you okay. play the Song oh, of, of Time they, okay. backwards and it slows time down. And you play uh the Song of Time like twice, you push each button twice, and you'll be able to uh skip forward in time.
1: And do yes or right. no without telling me anything in this case. There is an actual purpose, a practical purpose to speeding the time up other than just making you die faster
2: uh-huh. um, no, and there know, is some, 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 if you want to fast forward yeah. to some quest quest event, oh, like the okay. mailman's not okay. gonna get here until this time, well, let's speed things up
1: okay that's, that's it just cool, saves you actually. waiting around uh, that's yeah. cool actually uh, if we do another segment like this soon i i I'm actually excited to report back because. Now I know that this won't be a game I'll put down quite yet. That there's more I can do, and that makes me real happy. Uh, Zach, so you're uh, you're enjoying the game so far? Yeah, it, uh,
2: <clears throat> I on my plane ride back from Boston, I I basically played it the whole time. My seat had a outlet. Ah, you were uh,
1: using the Virgin?
2: No, Alaska Airlines. Okay, cool. Uh, but it had an outlet, so I played it the whole time. And yeah, it's 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 a good game. It's you know, I, I almost think of it as not even a Zelda game. It's okay. It's got the same character models from Ocarina of Time, but it doesn't have, you know, really any of the tropes of Zelda games. You don't go to Death Mountain. There's no, you know, you don't find three jewels before you get the Master Sword and then go to eight temples. It's a completely different setup, which I really like. Uh, but qu- it is it is hard man
3: mm-hmm. mm. back when i played it on the n64 like one of the things that was cool about it was that it was a direct sequel to ocarina of time so it almost it did feel like it was picking up where that left off sure um so having it completely different not follow like the same tropes that ocarina did like made a lot of sense like yeah it felt yeah
1: okay and, uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm only a few hours in, but one of the impressions I got of this game is that it almost felt like it was following Aonuma's new strategy for Link Between Worlds and the upcoming Zelda game, which, as in, uh, changing the series conventions really aggressively. Like, like it almost feels like they made a new 3D Zelda game, from my perspective, using, uh, Aonuma's new mantra, and it, like, it completely works. I would believe this was a new game that came out in 2015. Just from sure. my outside perspective, which I thought was really cool. It does feel it's, smaller, though. Well, go ahead.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I was going to say it It definitely does um, feel brand new to me as well, even though I tried to play it back on the N64 and then again on the Wii. I, I didn't really get very far because, God, that game looks hideous uh, yeah. now. Uh, but I'm really getting into it now, and it, it does feel pretty new to me, and and I, I'm enjoying it, but... Uh, it's it's a game I can't put down because if it's a game where if I put it down for any length of time I'm gonna forget what I was doing. Sure. Pick it back up. So I'm I'm gonna
1: have to hammer through it. Right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's it's cool so far. It does feel smaller. Like I think wasn't this game made in like a year, year and a half or something?
3: Um. Yeah. Uh, within eighteen months. Like like
1: like yeah. shorter than Ocarina of Time took. Right. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, o-
3: Ocarina of Time was like what six years or something.
1: I mean, mm-hmm. and I am still very early on, and I'm sure there was a ton of game to explore, especially all the side stuff I'm hearing about. But my immediate impression was that this game did feel significantly smaller than uh, Ocarina of Time. How, how do you feel about that, Nick, as someone who has beaten this game before?
3: Mm, the, uh, it's, I guess, it's technically. Smaller in a way, like, but it, it is much more dense in what. In, yeah, doing, in a physical
1: like. way, uh, it feels yeah, physically yeah, like, smaller.
3: Well, but you've you've only seen like the first, like the field and the swamps. Like there is other right. areas that go on. A sure. fair bit. like they are fairly expansive. But um yeah, it's hard to really compare it to Ocarina. Like, I guess they're compar Like I don't know, they're sort of comparable in size. There's probably more points of interest in Maduro's mask.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, and the map's a little
2: more spread out.
1: Uh, how has it been treating you, this new remake, Nick?
3: Um, well, I've only played it for like a little while. I finished the first Temple and basically done the setup for the second one. Uh, graphically, it's a lot nicer. I'm um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. impressed by a lot of the um, new textures and stuff, like... Some of because I played the N sixty four one a bit more before I got the new one, and some of the areas were very like yeah they had very flat, flat looking um, panels for the textures on the walls and stuff where it was meant to be like implying there's a forest around you and it's obviously just flat. Now it's much yeah. more pronounced and everything. Um, you know I haven't played it for like a little while, but like the three DS version now, so I haven't my thoughts of like haven't really evolved too much on it.
1: Okay, fair enough. And uh, if you're listening to this right now, and you have stuff to say to any of us, or in general about Majora's Mask 3D, feel free to do so at connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. Now, Zach, tell me about something you have been playing. Uh, I've been
2: playing Beyond Good and Evil HD. Uh, As you may know, uh, BG&E is one of my favorite games ever. Um... (coughs) It's kind of the Zelda game we never got. Uh, uh, well, that's not true. We got a lot of Zelda games, but <laughs> I, I consider it kind of the Zelda game. Uh, uh, but you know, I got when when it was HDified. It originally came out on Xbox 360. It was it, timed exclusive for a while, and I got it then. And that was a stupid idea because I never touched my 360.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: so I got to the second dungeon. I remember, and then. I just hate that 360 so much. I just never played it again. So it was recently on sale <laughs> on the PSN for like three dollars.
1: It's now, when
2: was this? This is not anymore. It was like two weeks, two, three weeks oh, okay. ago. No, it's not anymore. It was okay. a big Ubisoft sale. Ah, okay. Uh, but I picked that shit up right away, and I've been really engrossed by it. I'm I'm into the well into the third dungeon now, and uh, man, that's just such a good game. It, there's a, a an emotional story that. You just don't see anymore, and there's a, you know, strong female protagonist who's not overtly sexualized and or gimmicky, or gimmicky, and uh, the combat is pretty good. Uh, the combat's fine; it's serviceable, and there's a cool uh, photojournalism element to it. And you know, the only thing that I'm finding that I absolutely can't stand is anything to do with your stupid hovercraft. Have either of you played this game? <laughs>
3: no. Yeah. I- I played it back in the day on GameCube. I still have the GameCube, like, copy. Yeah, so do I. Um, So do I. I haven't tried playing it, like, really since. I think I've tried booting up the GameCube one over the years every now and then, but I haven't really played through the whole thing again. Yeah. Um, Back, my, like, impressions of it back then were, like, it was solid, but not great. I would have, like, you know, it's around a seven or an eight sort of point game to me. Yeah, that's about what it
2: was getting when it came out.
3: Yeah, yeah. I'm... I'm trying to just think of what I really thought of it. Like, I did have some—I can't remember now—but there was some stuff that I was just like, "Oh yeah, this is a bit okay-ish." But overall, the game was fun.
2: Yeah, I think it's definitely the kind of game where if I was trying to give it a, a fair review now, it probably would get a seven-five or an eight. But uh, mm. I think, I think overall, to me, it's more than the sum of its parts. It just does a lot of things really right. Uh, but, man, there's there's like a section a- of the game, there's a, a section where you're on that hovercraft all the time. You're doing races, Mario Kart-esque mm-hmm. races that are god-awful <laughs> because the physics are so terrible. And and then you have to get through the first third of a dungeon sneakily around on this, this slippery hovercraft. Oh, it's god. Oh, jeez, it's terrible. Eventually you get a spaceship, and I'm waiting to get that spaceship. That's coming around the corner, but <laughs> uh, I, I really, I, I, I it looks really good. The HD fi is really well done. And-
3: yeah, I've, I'm tempted to buy like the uh, HD version at one point because playing the GameCube version now, like on a non CRT TV, the the GameCube one mm-hmm. was um like fake widescreen, so it's like a tiny postage stamp now on yeah. the on the TV. 'Cause there's like black bars on the side, there's black bars up and above uh, above and below it, and yeah. it's just hard it's hard to just it's hard to look at. <laughs> like, it looks alright by like, upscaled still, but it's just so small.
2: Yeah, exactly. And the music in the Akuda Bar is like one of my favorite uh pieces of gaming music ever. <laughs>
3: the music's so really wonderful. good in that game, yeah.
2: Yeah, the music
1: is good generally. So I have a and, question. Uh, uh, go ahead. Where's the damn sequel? Oh, go ahead. Well, okay, it's that, that's a very fair question because it seems like the sequel to that game is teased like by someone connected every to that game. Every couple years, they'll put every out couple something, years. yeah, but it feels like it's never going to happen. Yeah, I
2: question whether it will.
3: Yeah, mm-hmm. so, it's weird because you, like they put out that CG trailer for it, and everyone was going crazy about it for a while, and just yeah. nothing came of it. They just said, "Oh yeah, we we got some people to make that video. Let's uh, not bother."
2: It's, right, and that was yeah. that was a long time ago. That was like two thousand nine or something. It's
1: the same fucking still of the pig that like we've mm. seen like millions of times before. Yeah. Uh, anyways, one one of the things I wanted to ask was how would you compare this to the other game that is considered the Zelda game that never was, being Dark Siders. <laughs> yeah.
2: Uh, Dark Siders is much more combat heavy. Okay. And I think much more directly a Zelda game uh, in Darksiders, you get a version of the boomerang that targets five things, you get a portal gun, you get a double jump, you get all these things that a Zelda game would have. But in Beyond Good and Evil, you really don't get many upgrades to your move set. you mm-hmm. get upgrades to your stupid hovercraft to let you access different areas. <laughs> But you don't get a double jump. You don't get a, you know, a Deku Leaf to float around on. You don't mm. get any of that. It's the move set you have at the beginning of the game, is the move set you'll finish with. Okay. Uh, well, I
3: seem to remember the um, the dungeons in that game weren't overly complex. Is that right? Yeah, they are.
2: They are. They the are? The, mm. the dungeon, especially the the first dungeon, it, it's a weird. It's weird, like the very first dungeon you go on is is your test for the Iris Network, and it is as straightforward as they come. It's almost a straight path. But the next dungeon, there's like three sections to it. It's ridiculously complicated. Mm -hmm. Every time you think you're done, you're like, oh, no, no, there's a whole other area here. And the stealth is not great.
4: Yeah, Uh, yeah. I will say, the stealth could
1: be better. Are we, we're talking about Beyond Good and Evil, right? Yeah. Yeah. There. Okay. Yep. Okay. Cool. So There's no stealth
2: in Darksiders. You kill everything in that game.
1: Uh, I haven't that, actually
3: played Darksiders either. That's
1: a good Dark thing. Darksiders is right. really fun. I really okay. like Darksiders. Because I'm pretty sure both of them are on PlayStation Plus, and I probably have both of them on yeah. PS3 at this point. Uh, yeah, I've been meaning to play those games at some point. But cool. Beyond Good and Evil does seem like a really excellent game. Anyway, where's yeah. my
2: sequel, Ubisoft. Oh, they don't make games with women. That's right. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> I mean, they made Assassin's Creed
2: Liberation. Yeah, that game didn't fail because of the female protagonist. It failed because it sucked.
1: So you can get that game for six bucks on PlayStation Plus this week on PlayStation Three, or you can get the significantly worse Vita version for ten dollars. So oh, there that's you what go. I have. It's is the sound still really atrocious on that game?
2: I don't even listen to it. Oh wow. <laughs> Uh, I don't even play it. I don't even play it because it's so shitty. How long, how far did you get? I don't know. A few hours in. Okay. Once there was an escort mission, I was like, I'm not playing this anymore. Sure. Okay, cool. Nick
1: Bray, what have you been playing this week?
3: Okay, um... The thing I've been sort of doing lately is buying up old GameCube games that I missed out on. So, recently I've bought like Billy Hatcher, um, Double O seven, Everything or Nothing. Uh I think there's another one somewhere I've bought recently. But anyway, I started playing Billy Heidi? Hatcher. Uh Heidi? Heidi Klum? What? Uh I have no idea. It's meant okay. to be it's meant to be good though. Um ah. <laughs> Okay, so I started playing Billy Hatcher, which um I I played it back in the day, I watched a friend play it back in the day. Uh and it was like, it seemed pretty fun and um interesting and over the years people have like been like you know they compare it to saying like compared to Mario 64 saying oh it's Sonic team trying to do Mario 64 and on the surface like from screenshots or even a bit of video you could probably assume that but it's really not like Mario 64 like in the way that you'd want like i find that a lot of the levels are relatively straightforward and um small and the objectives you have to do are like generally almost point A to point B. There's some objectives that you have to sort of run around and find like uh, various different chickens and stuff. But overall, um, a lot of the objectives are pretty pretty straightforward, and a lot of them are the each world has like the exact same objectives. So there's not as much variety oh. in the mission types at all.
2: No, I've never um, played so this. Is it true that you're it? just rolling an egg around the whole time?
3: Yeah, to do anything in the game basically, you have to have control of an egg. So you go up to an egg and you just basically start pushing it around and um you kill enemies by rolling over the top of them. You like double tap A to um like jump and then do like a double jump smash thing and you basically it's combinations of um the couple buttons and the egg will let let you do most stuff. Um, you got to like, there's like this whole other mechanic where you got to, um, like kill enemies and then you go over the top of these like little fruit ball things and it will make the egg get bigger. So once it reaches like a certain capacity, you can hatch it. And some of them have like, um, power ups or like assist, assist animals. Like sometimes you need to put out a fire. You need to get the, the purple egg with the seal inside of it to, um. To go over and basically get past the fire, I see stuff like that. Um, There's actually the game tracks like there's I think there's like I don't know how many different types of eggs there are, but there's lots of different types of eggs that you don't necessarily need to use to actually beat the game. But like there's like a checklist of ones that you've um, you've hatched, so you're meant to go through and like hatch every single type of egg, (laughs) and then you've got to like S rank every single mission to to really fully complete it, but Mm. I'm not going to do that.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't either.
3: Uh, like it's pretty fun, but um, it's probably closer to like it's not like Sonic, but it's not as close to Mario sixty four as what you would probably like hope.
2: Closer in Almost quality, sounds like Katamari.
1: Uh, yeah, Katamari. I, I guess
3: Katamari maybe be sort of a good thing, but it's like it's more complex than Katamari. Like, yeah, sure. um Yeah. Um So
1: would you say it's thematically closer to Mario sixty four, but quality wise closer to Sonic Adventure?
3: Somewhere somewhere in the middle, I would say. Like it's not you know, some some of the Sonic games like are pretty janky, just like when you first pick pick up and play them. Like you can get used to some of the quirks, but Billy Hatch is much more of a um Polished. The quality the quality's like more polished than the average Sonic game. And I I suppose it helps that it's not like meant to be going at like a million miles an hour like Sonic, and they could craft the um the gameplay to be a bit slower and like a little bit more exploration based and stuff
4: that's
2: good
3: uh, yeah, so it is overall it's pretty fun, but every now and then there are like there is something that is a bit janky like there's a there's one part every every now and again where there's like you've got to push the egg onto like a rail and it goes off by itself and then you've got to like go a different path and climb over obstacles and like everything and it's difficult to judge like to be able to push the egg onto the rail at a slow enough speed because like um if it gets to the usually if it gets to the end of the rail before you get there it'll roll off the edge and then you don't have that egg anymore and they've usually set it up so you, you have to go all the way back to, like you can't get around the obstacle without an egg, so you're gonna have to go back and get another egg and then try again. And it's really That'll hard get to get old. the egg to. It's really hard to get the egg to like. You go, I've sort of got it down, but you need to like go up to the egg uh, to the um to the like this the rail really closely and then just like pull back softly and it will like roll off at a very slow speed. Otherwise, it will just take off and you'll never beat it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, stuff like that can be a little frustrating, but you know overall it's manageable
1: word So you've been playing something else too right
3: uh yeah um a little while ago i finally finished uh skyward sword i finally did the last like <sighs> quarter of the game <clears throat> <laughs> it's only been how many years has it been <laughs> Oof. Uh, it I started it in 2011 right yeah i started it when the game came out and you know i've got about halfway and then stopped and then Getting through the last half of the game has been a slow process. <laughs> well, you're farther than me. <laughs> yeah, I. You know, I was sort of like every now and again I would try and make a bit of progress, but it was a bit of a slog overall. I would say it's probably my one of my least favorite Zelda games, just in terms of how tedious it is. Yeah. Um, it just it just felt very inorganic the way that a lot of the stuff was set up. Like to get around the world, you'd have to go and you know. Okay, this is the part where you got to use the beetle thing. Okay, it's like it, was, it wasn't as like natural feeling of using the um the various items and stuff. You had to basically stop and start just to like get around all the time. what's well,
2: it's all this motion control crap, right? Hmm. Mm.
3: Like there is there is like good sections of the game, but some of them are just I just didn't like. I just didn't like the overall setup of the game.
1: Yeah, it feels like the best zelda game is hidden somewhere in skyward sword but there's so much fluff and there's so much like weird like quirks and there there's so much like it's i would call everything in that game like a weird quirk and or you found
2: a Bath this is what a bath does
0: <laughs> and then I, yeah I, that,
3: there's a lot of that there's like, every time you like pick up one of those like because you can do that crafting thing with the the weapons and stuff, the items. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, every time you collect, like, kill an enemy or pick up one of those pieces of junk, like, it stops. The game just stops, shows you, it tells you what it is again. It goes to, the, it fades out and goes to the item screen. It shows you the little um gem thing going into your I- inventory and it comes back out and then you can move again. And, like, even, like, maybe that'll be okay the first time you get something. Right. But every single time, so, like, I hate that. Even it annoyed me in Twilight Princess that every single time you got a rupee, it, like, or when you turned the game back on, it, it like did the whole rupee thing again. It just annoys me.
2: Oh, you're right. It would always say this is worth five rupees or this is worth twenty. Yeah, rupees. and
3: the, the older games never did that, and it's just, it just slows it up so much.
1: Every time I think about like the best stuff in that game, like it, there's that golden like golem boss that was really awesome. And like the one with the mm. giant sword, there was the uh, there was the final boss who I thought was really well made. There's the visual style. There's like the more uh, aggressive attempt at a story. Like like I really I'm a pretty big fan of Grues in that game, uh, especially. Yeah, he's he's pretty cool. He is pretty cool. It,
3: a lot of the environments are nice too. Like I did like a lot of the way the things everything looked and everything, but just later on yeah. in the game it just felt. Too, it's got, it got too much. All the the fluff got too much for me.
1: Right, it's for all the good stuff this game has, and all the great stuff, and all the even amazing stuff. There are other parts, like that whole uh, slide temple dungeon, or it's all based around that slide puzzle, and it's one of the longest dungeons in the game, and it comes like right before the climax of the game when you think the game is about to end. And it ends up bringing everything to a halt, and it's a completely unnecessary, pretty much bad dungeon.
3: Are you talking about the the one with like the rooms shift around and stuff? It's the yes, it like the, it's the, the last it's, it's dungeon.
1: Like, it's in Skyloft. It's where, yeah, like, yeah, it, that one. You that was start awful. by organizing it into a slide puzzle, which is the worst yeah. mechanic in anything awful. ever. You haven't even beaten it. Right, it
3: was Zach? it was it was quite oh, confusing. I just got that
2: through that the
1: first dungeon and was
2: like, I can't I can't do this anymore. Wow. Okay.
3: But yeah, that slide puzzle was like, I just ended up looking up the order to put him in because like you needed to keep changing them and I just couldn't be bothered to, to work it out. And like the, puzzles, the puzzle pieces themselves, like they were all the same color. Like they mm-hmm. had all the same markings on them that you couldn't really tell what they were from um, from just looking at the slide puzzle, I'm pretty sure.
2: Yeah. That sounds amazing. Yeah, it's there's, there's here's the thing. Here's why I never bothered to finish Skyward Sword because every time I listened, to, you know, for months, people would talk about it on podcasts, player one podcasts, or RFN, or even connectivity. Yeah, and every time somebody would say I'm playing Skyward Sword, there'd be this audible sigh. <laughs> and then they'd they, then they'd list off all the things they hate about the game, and then say, "But it's really good. Here's the things. Here's a few things I like about the game." And that really got to me. After a while, I was like, "I don't want to experience these terrible things. Why would
1: I do that?" Mm. Mm. So I just stopped. It's not a. I think it's an underrated game by some, and that's a crazy thing to say about a Zelda game. And like a lot of the complaints are justified. I think it's still a very good game overall. I mean, Neil loves the shit out of it. He no, loves it. Didn't he Neil. give it a ten? Did he give it a ten? Or a uh, he gives a 10? lot
2: of things a ten.
1: Yeah, yeah, he does. <laughs> but anyways, it's there are some really fantastic bosses. I actually do really like the sword combat in this game, despite some of the complaints some people have with it. I do think it's more precise than Zelda games have been in the past. Mm. I I said, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I, so, I really yeah. also like the. Uh, the expansive dungeons, like it, they feel like they felt like real dungeons for the first time in uh, in Zelda games. I, I know.
3: don't know. Some of them felt like some of them did feel fairly straightforward. They like you just sort of that's were going true. through the motions. But yeah, like some of the dungeons were were like fun and impressive. Like they, you know, the the obvious one is the one in the the desert. All the desert stuff with the mm-hmm. time shift stones was really cool. But um, no, I want to play that part of the game
2: because that's the part of the game
3: everybody likes. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's like what? Can you? It's like the third area you go to, I yeah. think. I think so. Like, you long. know, you probably liked the game mostly up until that point, Zach, because like it's all okay. all the stuff's new, but you do have to deal with some of that sort of annoying fluff here and there. But,
1: yeah. yeah. Yeah, that that's what's so frustrating about that game. Because for everything amazing you can say, there's always some fucking caveat with it.
3: I started I started off liking the sword combat, but. To, to, like, later on and towards the end, I just was over it. I was just, ah, uh, just just do just it. Just let me press A. <laughs> I, did, I just want to, to run past enemies or, like, get... Th- like. Because so, some of the enemies have just, like, you got to wait for the right timing on them. They're, they're shifting their shields yeah. or, like, electric swords everywhere. Like, usually, you, like, you wait for the opening and then you go to hit the opening, but then they flip straight back and block you and you, you get electrocuted and it was just really frustrating.
1: Hmm. Like, it, uh, it got yeah. that
2: way with the met with metroid prime 2 with me there's a lot of enemies in that game when you you have to use strategy or something against them or or uh you know it takes mm. a really long time to kill them and i just eventually was like fuck it i'm walking past them
3: most of the time if i had to get past them i would just like take the health hit and just spam the sword and that would mostly mostly <laughs> get enough hits in to, to kill them but <laughs> like yeah. i just shake it around for a bit and it will like get a hit in there somewhere
1: I like that um, did they say they learned anything from Skyward Sword uh, in hopefully, making the new uh, Wii Zelda game I, I hope they know the what people direction. think of that I hope they know <laughs> what people think of the Wii Zelda when they're making uh, the new Zelda game on Wii U because I'm still extremely excited for that game the whole open world mm. and, and then the... Legend of Skyrim. Linear. It's uh, Zelda Scrolls. It, 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 there you go. It, there we go. It mm. will,
3: it's going to be interesting to see what the progression and what you can do in the new Zelda game will be. I do hope that, like, it's going to be yeah, more open, but a lot of the fluff we're talking about with Skyward Sword is taken out and, you know, just make the game more... St- Fun to to go through the world like the the over, like the world down below in um, Skyward Sword was like very dense, but I think to a to a fault because you're stopping every five seconds to get over an obstacle.
1: Yeah. You yeah, know it's uh. Good luck next time, Nintendo. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's actually uh. You know what, let's change gears a little bit as we start to wind this down and actually how about you tell me about Trine, Zach.
2: Oh Trine.
1: Trine Uh
2: Trine. Uh Trine is a game mm-hmm. that was recently released uh as a enchanted edition on the Wii U. Uh, It is, of course, the prequel to Trine 2, which came out uh, as a launch title on the eShop. Mm-hmm. That that was a very Uh, good game. I... Mm. (laughs) No, I don't even remember if that's true. Yeah, I'll tell you why. I I don't like it. Um, So Trine 1 Enchanted Edition, I discovered, is actually just Trine 1 rebuilt in the Trine 2 engine. So that's why it feels so familiar to me and why it looks the same. It's because it is the same game. Uh, it's like a level pack for Trine 2. Um, I don't love it. It's It was made by people who just seem to just discover the magic of bloom lighting. <laughs> so every light source in that game is cranked up to 11 on the bloom scale. And it's just hard to see where you're going sometimes. It's hard to see what you can and can't step on, uh, partially because the camera is is really zoomed out. Uh, there's multiplayer that I have not experienced yet because I can't get my brother over here to save my life. Um, he lives a block away, damn it. <laughs> uh, uh, but, but you're switching between three characters. For those of you who haven't played Trine, it's kind of like a, a platforming version of... Uh, The Lost Vikings, where each character has a different move set to get you through the level and to collect uh, pickups. Uh, You have an assassin who can shoot a bow and use a grappling hook. There's a magician who can move boxes around and create boxes to move around. (laughs) He's not excited. Uh, And then you've got a knight... Who swings a sword and uses a shield, and he's your fighter. And he gets, and and apparently they all will get more moves as the game progresses because the knight just got a gravity shield, which lets him toss boxes. Thank God, more box throwing. Uh, Lets him throw boxes with his shield. Um, Lots of boxes in this game, and moving boxes, and stepping on boxes to get to other boxes to step on. Uh, so I don't love it. It's kind of a grading game. It's very slow moving, and um, you're very incentivized to collect all the pickups because then you get to you get new abilities. And I don't know how you know critical those new abilities are going to be later on. So I am really focusing on collecting all the pickups, and that can be a real grind.
1: Okay, uh, so maybe not going to get a ten out of ten.
2: No, I, you know, I stopped playing Trine 2 because I couldn't see where I was freaking going, so I'm having that problem here as well. Okay, well... Give uh, the wizard some different powers. Box moving is not exciting.
1: It's... That sounds really terrible, actually. Did you
2: did you guys play Trine 2 or Trine 1 originally? I,
1: I played Trine no. 2. On the Wii U eShop. And it seemed well, okay. What did you think of it, Alex? It, it, seemed, now, it seemed okay from what I played. I... I I think I I like the idea of it, and I liked looking at it from afar, but I definitely don't remember it making that strong of an impression on me. Right. Uh, it's but you know what, I'm probably not going to play trying one.
2: I Basically. wouldn't. I mean, if you didn't <laughs> if you didn't love Trine two, Trine one Enchanted Edition is trying two, uh, a level pack.
1: Right. Okay. Cool. So I have been playing the recently released Hotline Miami 2 Wrong Number on the ah, PlayStation I know you love Vita. Ah, the first one. Yes, I would. Have you played Hotline Miami, Zach? I have not, but I've seen videos. It looks okay. ridiculous. So Hotline Miami, the way I would describe it is uh, Smash TV. Is is I mean, it's not exactly Smash TV in the sense that it's not a, a linear like single room. Or not linear, but it's not like a single room like combat thing. But the whole top-down yeah. shooting, uh, spinning around, all that. Mowing dudes down. Mowing dudes down, that's all Hotline Miami. And it's all about uh, knocking down doors and killing all the enemies in the room uh, who are extremely difficult to kill uh, as as this total monster serial killer. It's one of those things where it's, it's this archive... It's, like, mm-hmm. it's like John Wick the game. Sure, it's like John uh. Wick the game. <laughs> it's it's one of those things that's so hard to describe, uh, unless you've actually seen gameplay of it. But but I think that if you do have the opportunity to go on YouTube, even right now as you're listening to this, to see what Hotline Miami is like, I strongly recommend it. Because it is probably, maybe in my top 20 games ever, the, the first Hotline Miami game. Damn. On, uh, and you can get that on Vita, PS3, PS4 and PC where you can probably get it extremely cheap especially on PC and I want to get it on
2: Vita next time I see it on sale for sure It's
1: I loved controlling it on Vita and I think that's the best way uh, to play it so anyways it's, it's an amazing action game I think it's an almost perfect game and it's music is incredible it's known for it's amazing soundtrack the action is fast paced it feels like a constant orgasm I, I, I really yeah. love it uh, or is it a gorgasm? I agree. I, I, I agree <laughs> with you. It is, it is also one of the two games, the only two games I've ever given a perfect 10 score to, that and Persona 4 Golden. So it, oh, wow. it's the first game is very, very important to me. I recommend everyone play it, or at least look it up to give it a shot. Anyways, saying all that, the second Hotline Miami came out this week. Hotline Miami 2, wrong number, been in development for a very, very long time. And while the first game was around four hours long, this one is a way more aggressive sequel in the same way Runner 2 was a way more aggressive sequel than the first Runner. Nice. Where instead of being like a a four-hour game, and and then the first Runner was actually like a ten-hour game because of how difficult it was.
0: Yeah. But
1: uh, in the same way the first Hotline Miami was a four-hour game, and does that same thing of as soon as you die, you start over again, so it's super addicting and super tough, but in a really good way at the same time. Anyways, yeah. the second game is way harder and way longer. I think my first playthrough was well over ten hours, and like it's like Damn. uh like ten more chapters than the first game. Like The first game had like 16 chapters, this one has like 25, and they're all harder and longer. The levels are way more open... Uh, in st- the first game, you were basically mowing dudes down in these like very small corridors in this very tightly packed uh, artisanal levels. And Hotline Miami two, they're they're way more open uh, the levels, and that there's way more uh, walking around and like being sneaky and trying to bait enemies into corners so you can murder the hell out of all of them. Huh. And it's uh, there's also new weapons. You can uh, there's dual wielding. Guns now. In the first game, you could only uh, use either a gun and play it like Smash TV, or you could do uh, you could do melee weapons and beat dudes up close. In this game, there are characters who have two assault rifles. There's one guy who does that. There's another guy, and this one's completely unique. Where it's a pair of siblings who are both wearing swan masks. One of them has a pistol, and the other one has a chainsaw, and you control them both at the same ah! time as if it's the Ice Climbers. And what you oh, can do is, amazing. let's say you're in these this level, and you have to bait guys in. Uh, you can shoot a gun with the first one, and actually get guys to run to your location, and then you can use the chainsaw to mow them down. Uh, it's 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 all murder, it's all delicious I'm, I'm not going to keep this segment going way too long Because it's already been like 40 minutes But I'm already on my second playthrough of Hotline Miami 2 The story's awesome, the gameplay's awesome, the music is even better uh, I, I can't recommend it enough I really want as many people as possible to play Hotline Miami 1 Because I would argue that It might be the finest independent game ever made Wow. Yeah, it's maybe not objectively. Like, that's obviously my opinion. But for all the indie games I play, none of them have made me feel as special as the original Hotline Miami. But that's enough gushing. Uh, This would definitely be easier to explain if there was someone else who had played it with me. Uh, (laughs) So, uh, anyways, play the games. They're all awesome. They're awesome on Vita. They're awesome on PC. They're awesome on the other PlayStation platformers. That's our segment for this week. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, you can find us every week on Nintendo World Report Connectivity. You can find me every week at Nintendo News Report, our weekly live YouTube show, which hopefully Zach will be on at some point in the future.
2: Gotta, get a, camera, but Gotta I will. get a
1: camera. Gotta get a camera. Gotta get, yeah, it's a rain check, certainly. Yeah. And that'll be all. You got any questions? You got any comments? Feel free to send them to connectivity at nintendoworldreport.com. That'll be all. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Welcome to a brand new installment of Nintendo News Report for Thursday, March 26, 2015. The show where we talk about all the Nintendo news you can ask for and more. This week I am not joined by our usual hosts, Scott Thompson or Neil Ronahan, but instead I am joined by two equal fantastic guests, both from the legendary Player One podcast. This week I am joined by Christopher C.J. Johnston.
4: How's it going, Alex? Good to be here.
1: It is excellent to have you here as well. I am doing just fine. And Gregory Seward.
5: Oh, my full name, it's oh, it's formal.
1: Is it really Gregory? It's not just Greg? Yeah, yeah. yeah oh, perfect. That makes me feel really nice. <laughs> so... You guys who have seen the show before know how this works. We got a top story. We usually got new releases, but nothing really came out this this week, so we're not really going to talk about that. And then we got a bunch of big stories from the last nine days since our last one. So getting started, this week everyone thought there was going to be a new Nintendo Direct, but it turned out there wasn't. Uh, Have you guys heard these rumors too, like, oh, this is the week?
4: I hope every week has a Nintendo Direct, so... (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> so it it's, it's felt like one of those weeks, like, the direct, like, itch was coming on when we all thought, like, the Tuesday announcement was going to come. But as it turned out, it wasn't. And what came out instead was that a bunch of the press went to a new uh, demo, I think it was, for Splatoon and said a lot of positive things. In fact, one of the common sentiments I saw from this Splatoon preview event was that they're really looking at this as Nintendo EAD's big next IP, uh, in the same way Pikmin was before, which is really, really exciting. Like, it feels like, it, regardless of what you can say about 3D World or New Super Mario U or uh, the Wind Waker HD remake, this is a brand-new-ass Nintendo game, and and that feels really good. Now, I was asking both of you before the show, Greg, you are, in fact, excited about Splatoon, Yes.
5: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am I love that, uh, nin- you know, there's been, like, this trend for sort of um, more casual shooters, right, like arena shooters, like with Plants vs. Zombies and stuff like that, um, and I love that Nintendo's getting in on it, like, because I think if anyone's going to do it right, it's going to be Nintendo. So, yeah, ha- yeah I was really excited you- to see it when they first announced it.
1: Have you pre-ordered it yet?
5: Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow.
1: Chris and I were joking about that before the show, like, regardless of whether you're interested in it or not.
4: <laughs> but this one you're going to open at launch, right? Uh, sure, because I actually yeah. will play it with people online. So. There you go. And you can play it with your kids, too. That's right. Well, that
5: was the nice thing about Plants vs. Zombies, right? So mm. Again, I think that Nintendo's going to get it right.
1: Yeah, it feels a lot like Nintendo is... Uh, they're doing what people expect them to do, but they're doing it in their own super-polished Nintendo way. Like, people exactly. thought Nintendo needed a shooter... This is their answer to that. People thought Nintendo should go mobile. well, they're doing it in potentially the smartest way possible mm-hmm. uh it's and I mean that's all debatable, but it 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 both of these things seem to have could have gone way worse maybe
4: yeah, I mean that's not how Nintendo rolls right? They just do their own thing like they'll they'll make a cartridge system when everyone's going c d they'll yeah. uh go non h d when everybody's all About 720p. So, yeah. I mean, it's good. It's sort of counter-programming to to their competition. And if they're successful with it, then great.
1: Excellent. So just some of the stuff that came out of that event. There is a new mode called Splat Zones. That's the zone control mode where teams are occupying particular portions of the map in, like, a King of the Hill fashion. And then they just got to protect their territory, Uh, from the other team, it seems. But the interesting thing about this mode is that it only unlocks after a certain percentage of the player base has reached level 10, Mm. and then the main turf war mode before Splat Zones unlocks. Uh, Is this a good thing to you?
4: I think it's great. It gets people warmed up in the uh, main mode of the multiplayer uh, stuff, and then... Waits for everybody to kind of get experienced enough that they're actually going to be able to take advantage, and the matches are going to be good in this new mode. I I actually kind of hope that there are more modes uh, out as you continue to level up, and they continue to have like uh, stuff for the the player base to reach that that uh, you know isn't just turf war and and splat zones. Yeah,
5: it's an interesting way to handle the whole idea of uh you know like I mean Nintendo's usually pretty good. at... Their games usually have Really long legs, uh, mm. at retail. Um, so I don't know if I'm crazy about the idea of it being something being locked behind a, a experience wall. Although it's cool that they're doing it in a community sense. Um, so you know, it's it's just it's their way of doing paid DLC to keep the game fresh, I guess. So and you
4: know, yeah, it's an kinda. interesting way. That's kind of. I, I think it uh, doesn't Plants vs Zombies kind of have a similar thing where they have the starter area and then they have. Um, you know, other game types that you can access as you get more experienced. It's a, kind of a similar type thing. Yeah, but it's all, it's all based on individual experience, right?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
5: So mm-hmm. this is an interesting twist on it. Yeah.
1: Yep, and then the game will also include ranked modes, which is based on a letter grade system, and will give more experience for higher grades, standard, shooter, fair, new maps and details about the clothing system were announced. Uh, map names, Black Belly Skate Park, uh, Salt Spray Rig, and Walleye Warehouse. While well, the clothing system is more of like a perk thing, where uh, it's when you wear the clothes, you'll get additional perks. Like, uh, if you wear this, you'll swim faster, or you'll get faster reloading of your ink canisters. It seems like this game is like trying to take on a lot of the systems from really popular shooters, but doing it in a super approachable Nintendo-y way.
4: Exactly. I love it.
5: (laughs) It reminds me of, I mean, if you remember like the last time that people were saying Nintendo needs a first-person shooter, we got Metroid Prime, right? And that was kind of Mm -hmm. the same thing. It's like they took what everybody else was doing, which was the dual-stick shooter, and just totally turned it on its ear. So it feels like Splatoon's going kind of the same route, where it's like, you know, okay, here's the basics, and we all know that they work, but we're going to do it the Nintendo
1: way. No, absolutely. No, yeah, yeah. It, it looks very, very cool. They were also showing off the single-player mode a little bit. I, I didn't read up too much on this, but it seems like it is a level-based mode with more platforming. And uh, it apparently the levels were kind of easy, but it seems like a real single-player mode. Like it seems like they are going to make sure that people playing by themselves are going to have something to do which is one of the things I was actually scared about for this game. I was scared that yeah. uh, it was almost going to be like a Titanfall situation and they were going to have uh, only a multiplayer mode, but they're selling it as no, 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 this is a focused multiplayer mode. This is good enough to be a full package when in reality it would feel a little too light. And it seems like Splatoon's at least trying to do a little more, which is nice. Uh, yeah, that, yeah.
4: I wonder, uh, do you think this will be a full-priced game?
1: Oh absolutely. They're selling okay. this for sixty bucks, no question.
4: Not for me. <laughs>
5: <laughs> <laughs>
1: but what, do you get, what discount do you get on those E3 pre orders again? Twenty bucks. Okay, so forty Which for every game. Mm-hmm.
5: It's nice because um back when I did the pre orders, games were sixty bucks or sixty five bucks in Canada, but they've recently gone up to like eighty five dollars. Oh right. Because so, your sorry. currency is worthless. Yes, because they have a worthless Canadian peso. <laughs>
1: Didn't the price of the PS4 just go down over there?
5: Did it go down again? I, I stopped I stopped. Yeah. All I know is that the second the dollar wasn't worth much everything shot up in price, but I don't remember prices dropping like crazy when the dollar was uh was strong. Mm.
1: Yeah. It's this yeah, definitely just... seems like <laughs> this definitely seems like a game that's worth about forty dollars yeah. in my opinion. Mm. Like like it's I mean not to devalue Nintendo's games at all. But sure. especially for a new franchise that I'm still not a hundred percent sold on, 40 is yeah. the right day one price. Uh,
4: I, I'd actually be curious to to find out like what Japanese Nintendo fans think of this game because shooters are a very American genre in general. Like, are people excited about this new Nintendo IP or what?
1: <laughs> well, they do have squids right on the cover. You would think there would be some <laughs> some appeal there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anywho, Splatoon, as it turns out, I think this is something we talked about last time you were on the show, Chris, that uh, there will be zero voice chat in Splatoon whatsoever, and instead there will be predetermined text commands bound to the Mm -hmm. D-pad.
4: I think this is the best outcome for everyone, because they were never going to have a party system to begin with and then you'd kind of be uh, clumped <clears throat> in the same chat lobby as somebody who, you know, is yelling epithets into the microphone. <laughs> like, <Yep. I'm> really, going to be the that. best way? Yeah. Absolutely.
2: absolutely.
4: If, if it had uh, voice chat without having, like, uh, a separate party chat type thing, <laughs> absolutely it would. Uh,
5: I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier about Plants vs. Zombies, I mean, I really only played that with my son, who's, who's five. And uh, that was the worst part about that game, was that mm-hmm. it had voice chat that you could do right through the Kinect, which at that time everybody had, because so we're playing mm-hmm. it on the Xbox One. And, I mean, people just had it on, and not only were they screaming words I didn't want my kid hearing um, mm-hmm. into the microphones and stuff, but, I mean, you know, there were people yelling at their kids and screaming at their <laughs> wives and stuff like that, that you could you could hear it all through the game, and it really... Mm-hmm. It really bothered me. It really, really took away from the experience. So Splatoon looks like something that, you know, speaking as a father of young children, I really want to play with my kids, and I'm happy that it's not going to have voice chat. I think that's the safest way to go. That's the
4: most family-friendly Nintendo way to go, and I'm all for it. Isn't it funny, though, that, like, (laughs) now that you have kids, you think that way, but if it was, like, ten years ago... Oh, I'd hate it. ...you'd be like, ah, Nintendo. (laughs) Yeah, friggin' (laughs) Nintendo, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the uh, the other difference, though, now, between now and uh, ten years ago, is that there are a lot more viable options for uh, talking to people while playing your game. Because, like, I mean, it's not on Vita, but Vita's got a pretty fantastic party chat. Mm-hmm. And then you got Skype, which is, regardless of how it's getting update to update, it's still way more viable now with your friends than it was ten years ago. For sure. It's, yep. you know... Maybe they're just saving resources, and maybe those resources can be put into making it a better game. I wouldn't even play with voice chat on, even if I was playing by myself. Yeah. 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 You know, so there you have it. And then Splatoon's still on track to release in May, but in a related story on Nintendo of Europe's website, it came out that uh, there was this list of release dates. Like, I think they had ones for Puzzle & Dragons, Codename Steam, all those... Splatoon is supposedly coming out in Europe on May 29th, which would put it almost exactly where Mario Kart 8 turned out, and as we know, Nintendo is a company of habit. And then also, uh, just for what it's worth, Yoshi's Woolly World, they dated at June 26th, which is kind of nice. I like that. Yeah.
4: That's during a drought, really, although I guess June uh, is now when that new Batman game comes out. But uh, I'm I'm all for Splatoon in May.
1: That'd be yeah. that'd be real good. What's what's that face? <laughs> Which face,
4: Seward
5: or me? No,
1: no, no, Greg, it's you. Seem oh. like ah.
5: I'm just happy it's like a birthday present for me. My birthday's in May, so.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> <That's> <laughs> okay. Awful. All right. Uh, <laughs> you look disgusted. <laughs> that Splatoon was coming out in May.
5: <laughs> no, no, I was just thinking, I mean, it makes it makes sense because, you know, Nintendo's uh the main supplier of games for their system, so mm. they gotta spread out they gotta spread the love. Can't have it all happening yeah. all at once.
1: Yeah. I am worried about uh what July and August is going to look like for Nintendo. I mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if instead of some games there was nothing. There was nothing yeah. instead of uh yeah, putting out
4: of games. It'll be interesting to see what the run-up to that uh, Nintendo NX system is like, or as we go from Wii U to the NX. Like, uh, are they going to hold anything for the new system? Like, what, Is there going to be a drought of software on the Wii U or what? it be interesting.
1: All right, I think we're going to get Zelda at the end of the year. We're going to get a reasonably healthy lineup before that. And then the last big game on this system is going to be Pokken Tournament and Animal Crossing. And then that's going to transition uh, right into the new system. I think Animal Crossing yeah. is going to be the holiday 2016 game. That'd that, seem that could be,
4: be cool. cool. I would play Animal Crossing on a big screen. Yeah. I would do that yeah. too. They had yeah. that little uh, Animal Crossing tool, communication tool or whatever for the Wii U... For a little while there, and that looked great on the mm-hmm. Wii U. Yes. Of course, I only ever booted it up just the one time, but <laughs> but it looked awesome. It looked great.
0: Didn't you know what else we get in,
4: Go ahead. in May is that uh, Mario Kart DLC, speaking of Animal Crossing. Oh, baby.
5: Oh,
1: yeah, Villager. It's, uh, I'm actually <laughs> real excited about that.
5: Heck, yeah. Can't wait for that. The last round was so good. Yeah. Yes,
1: it was uh, probably the best part of that entire package in a lot of ways. Yeah.
4: The next Nintendo Direct should probably show us some uh, footage of the Animal Crossing track, right? Because you know... Yeah. Or did we already see that?
1: I, I think that maybe there's been a screenshot, maybe, like yeah. in like that little preview at best, but I don't think so. I don't think we've seen it. Yeah. And uh, just before we move on... I would like to uh, for you guys to take a guess on when you think the next Nintendo Direct will be in a specific week. Uh starting with K- Chris, go ahead. When do you think the next Nintendo Direct is going to be? You can even we'll do be a day if you want.
4: Next week, April first, April Fool's Day.
1: April Fool's Day? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, it's there's been weird April Fool's jokes going on today with Nintendo fans. <laughs> Did you guys hear about that Paper Mario thing? uh, No, no. what's that? Oh, there was uh, a mock-up of A Thousand-Year Door 3D.
4: Oh, God.
5: Hurt me. I know, that
1: was my reaction to it when I saw it.
5: (laughs) Oh, man, I would play that so much.
1: But it seemed like there were some things like, ah, maybe this isn't real. It seemed like uh, another Rayman uh, 3DS scenario, but Ah. that was something that came out this morning. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so you're saying next week, April Fool's Day? Yeah. What about you, Greg?
5: Oh, let's go for April thirty first. Let's make it. <laughs> April thirty
1: first is gonna be a whole month. Yeah.
4: <laughs> People will have to come back to this episode and Yeah. See if it was true. Yeah.
1: And then is is April first next Wednesday? Yes it is. Oh yeah, then that's when I think it'll be too. So two for April first, one for (laughs) April thirty first. I don't honestly.
5: I don't know what the space, the general spacing is of Nintendo Directs. So
1: yeah, it's weird. It's it. it seems like it's like either one month or two months or three weeks. It's they they do like a weird job of spacing those out. But I think next week sounds like a good week for a Nintendo Direct because it'll
5: mm -hmm? go ahead. You know what I want? You know what? Forget. I mean, I love Nintendo Direct. Bring back Nintendo Week.
1: When what was that again? Nintendo Week. You don't remember Nintendo Week? Was that on
5: YouTube? No, it was right on yeah. the Wii. You downloaded oh. it on the Wii. It had Dark Gary in it.
1: Dark Gary. I don't remember any of this. <laughs> oh my God. I I never had the internet to download things on. Oh. Wii.
5: Okay. Now Nintendo Week was just this. It was just a silly little show. It was just a a weekly preview show <clears throat> of games that were coming out that week or coming up, and it was just two presenters, Gary and I forget the girl's name. It was.
4: It seemed really low budget, and it was so much fun to watch. I loved it. Well, now we have Nintendo Minute, right? Yeah.
1: It's true. Yeah, they're okay personalities. Uh, yeah. yeah. Kit Ellis, and, and what's-her-face. <laughs> <laughs> and whats your face nice. <laughs> hey, do, do you guys know who, what her name
4: is? I don't know her name. <laughs> but you know Kit Ellis' name. I know Kit, though, because he was doing PR when I was still... <laughs> <laughs> In uh, at a video game magazine, so that's why I know Kit.
1: Yeah. Alright, Let, let's move on <laughs> to the rest of the news uh, for this week. It's I didn't know how to word this headline, so the best I have is, Kojima may be leaving Konami. Oh. You guys talked about this on your last episode of the Player One Podcast, 437, so you guys can check that out if you are watching this right now. I am sure it is fantastic. I am going to listen to it tomorrow, but... News just came out that uh, Hideo Kojima is running into issues with Konami uh, over the Phantom Pain of some kind. Uh, in March 2015, uh, just this past week, there were rumors surrounding Kojima's future involvement because everything went silent on the social media and like some names changed, and the official box arts for like the uh, Metal Gear collection, Phantom Pain and stuff, it stopped being a Hideo Kojima game, and then it turned into, like, a Konami game. Hmm. Uh, and yep. it, it seems like there's stuff happening. And a Konami staff member reported that due to some conflicts that were going on, everyone there pretty much became a contractor with the uh, with the company, officially, almost in the same way. Uh, I think his name is Ueda, became with uh, The Last Guardian. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it is Ueda, right? It I is. I think it is. Man. Okay, cool. Cool. So, and then Kojima, as far as I know, he's been particularly silent on Twitter, which is highly unusual, and then Konami hasn't really said much other than Metal Gear is happening, Kojima's working on Metal Gear, and there will be more Metal Gear after this. That's pretty much all they've said. Uh, I think what happened is that when Kojima said Phantom Pain was going to be the last Metal Gear, he actually meant it this time.
5: <laughs> I was going to say, huh. yeah, because Metal Gear 2 was the last Metal Gear. <laughs> so <it was> <laughs>
1: It's, but doesn't that make sense? Like He wanted to leave, but Konami did not want him to leave, and then that sure. created a rift, and then like they got pissed off at him. Uh,
5: well, I mean, you yeah. got to remember, too, Kojima's been at Konami for 30 years.
1: Yeah, he's like 55 years old now, right?
5: Yeah, well, he's 51, and he, he started at Konami in 86. So, you know, I mean, he's been there a long time. Um, mm-hmm. And he's been doing the same game for the last 15 years. Not the same game, but, you know, the same series for the last 15 years. So, I mean, maybe he wants to leave. Who knows if it was acrimonious or not? I have no idea. But, you know, the thing is, is whether whether the split between Konami and Kojima was was uh, a happy one or a, an angry one, I think Kojima Productions was kind of doomed either way. Yeah. Um,
4: which <laughs> sucks for, for those people. But, uh, yeah it's got to be an amazing story though like what is really <laughs> happening i would love to find out what actually happened the chances of that are slim so hmm.
5: and i mean yeah. you know it, it's kind of i think it's kind of telling like like you just like you just said uh, alex like it went from being a kojima game to a konami game well that's that's not really good for the Konami brand that it was a Kojima game even though it was right. being published by Konami, right? Like, So it makes sense that they would try to take that back. And I also think there might be an element of this is just another Japanese publisher running away from console publish- publishing altogether.
1: Uh, yeah. it's. I mean, there was actually an update to this story today where they said exactly what you were saying, Greg, that they oh. just wanted to put the Konami brand front and center. I think it was some official statement today, which makes total sense. Yeah. I, I just... I. If there was a real spat between Kojima and Konami, it had to have been over a long period of time. Because it's it's been there since 86. There's no way some minor argument in one of the most famous figures in gaming history would cause him to leave the company that has pretty much been his home. I think the only thing it really could have been was he didn't want to make more Metal Gear and either it ended on a positive note or it ended on a not positive note.
5: Yeah, I agree. I mean, that's a that's a long time. Fifteen years or so is a long time to be concentrating on a single franchise.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I am excited to see what Hideo Kojima does next if he does leave Konami because regardless of what you, anyone thought of Ground Zeroes or where Metal Gear's been lately or him as even as a person, he is still one of the most creative figures ever to grace video games. Whatever you think of him, there is no one who does what Kojima does. And I, I think the gaming industry would be lesser without him for that reason. The yep. other thing I'm interested in is what will Metal Gear look like after Kojima leaves? Because I think that there's probably a part of Konami that would probably want to start a new Metal Gear series after Solid and get a new face on it. Like, I mean, maybe Konami would take the money uh, smart way and just call it Metal Gear Solid 6 regardless of whether Kojima involved or not. But that seems a little too scummy, even for them. I don't yeah,
4: know. Oh. I to do a uh, other MGS.
5: There you go. <laughs> oh, <geez>.
4: <laughs>
5: <laughs> I mean, you know, it's, they're not—they're obviously not above recreating their big franchises. I mean, look what they did with Castlevania. Um, sure, or worse. Um, Although that seems to have fizzled now, because this, the uh, Lords of the Shadow 2 was pretty poorly received.
4: Does as uh, as that 3DS game? Do you know if WB owns Rocksteady, or uh, that could be I interesting? Right? Right? Imagine a Rocksteady developed MGS. That could be interesting.
5: Who developed um that other Metal Gear game that came out? Um...
4: Uh,
1: Platinum. If you're thinking of Horizon.
4: Yeah, that's what I'm yep. thinking. You're right. Platinum. Yep.
1: There's no way there's not going to be a Metal Gear Rising 2. I, I actually thought that game was fantastic. Uh, I would, uh, I, I bet Metal Gear Rising 2 is going to be the next Metal Gear game that comes out after Metal Gear Solid 5, especially since it'll give Konami like a good few years to think about what they want to do with this series after. And they're like, okay, we know Platinum can make a good game. Uh, yeah. Let's let them work on this for a while. Maybe we'll put out another collection that'll be that.
4: Is it time for like a complete reboot of the series?
1: Oh, uh, like, I don't know. Push almost DMC. everything
4: to the side and do <laughs> redo.
1: Would you want to play a Ninja Theory MGS?
4: Sure, I'd try what?
0: it. I'd try
1: it. Yeah, it did. I don't know. I I don't know if they'd be good at making like a slow, like deliberate game.
5: And like you said, you you definitely be missing that sort of Kojima brand of crazy. Oh, that's yeah. definitely yeah. true, and that's a huge part of that experience.
4: Hmm. Mm-hmm. Actually, that brand of crazy has kind of turned me off of MGs, quite frankly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, some of it's cool, but it just really got a little too much, a little overbearing. Yeah, Ground Zero's got a little bit,
5: a little bit unbearable. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll see how this turns out, and I mean. This isn't even a Nintendo story, so I probably shouldn't be spending too much time on it. But I I really hope this isn't the end of PT. Uh, That Mm. mm, was—it's Silent Hills, especially. Uh. You got Daryl Dixon. You got Daryl Dixon. You got Del Toro, and you got—that would have been a nice game. That would have been great. Yeah.
5: Well, you know, I mean, (coughs) he's—excuse me—he's still working as a contractor. There's yeah. nothing saying he can't continue to work as a contractor. Maybe that's what he wants to do. You know, maybe he wants to do the Silent hmm. Hills game.
1: It definitely depends on how much he cares about that game. Yeah. I, I hope a lot because PT was <laughs> a lot of sites gave that best horror game of the year hmm. despite being. He like should.
4: That. He should team up with uh, Igarashi and do like uh, Konami, <laughs> ex-Konami. <laughs> Uh you know franchise new franchises that look like our old franchises type <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'd be down for that.
1: All right, well, moving on to a new story that does involve games that still come out on Nintendo systems. Lego Toys to life seems to be a thing that that seems to be a kind of rumor. There was an article on video gamer that uh, was saying like a Lego toys to Life game is being developed for release later this year title is allegedly Lego Dimensions and will be developed by Traveler's Tales. It's set to rival Skylanders, Disney Infinity, and Amiibo. And it is technically a rumor, but the associate producer at Traveler's Tales was talking about this, and he did one of those things where, like, he slyly says it exists without, like, getting too, uh, definitive. Like he was saying that, uh, something big is in the future related to this, but, uh, I can't go into specific details now, rest assured that is the case, and we're always trying to push boundaries, so watch this space. Last time watch this space was a thing, it was Rock Band and Guitar Hero, and uh, look what's <laughs> happening for that, right? So this is definitely happening, and now that we know it's happening, what do you think this is, Greg?
5: Uh, well, I mean, you know, they they kind of stepped outside their, their standard LEGO comfort zone with uh, LEGO City, which mm-hmm. I wasn't. Crazy about, but you know, there a lot of people really like that game. Um, I I think it'll be something along those lines with, you know, some sort of Lego toys you actually buy um, that you use like Amiibo or 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 Disney Infinity characters. Which means that I will definitely be in. <laughs> um, there's no way I'm going to be able to avoid this as soon as my kids realize it's happening because Lego is like the only toy in this house that anyone cares about. Um, yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens. I, I, I'm i interested to see Traveler's Tales, again, maybe they'll step outside their comfort zone a little bit um, with that with the LEGO franchise. Because, I mean, I like the LEGO games, but, you know, they, they have started to get a little bit stale. Because um, right. they are essentially the same game over and over again with a new skin. Mm-hmm. So there's that. And, I mean, I got to, you know, the to- the whole toy thing works. It worked on me with Infinity. I finally just got rid of all our Infinity characters. The Amiibo stuff is great, you know, and, and if you throw in some sort of mixing and matching setup that you could do with Lego, hmm. I don't know how you'd do it, and I don't know how expensive that would be, but if they pull it off, it'll be
4: fantastic.
1: Right, because without a camera, there's no way they could actually make your old Lego toys compatible in any possible fashion. Yeah. Which is a pipe dream in itself.
5: Yeah, but I mean, it'd be it's it's also, you know, <clears throat> they're because they're one of the only... Um, well they're they are a partnership that actually could they could sort of cross benefit and cross promote on this you know like Disney Infinity and and Skylanders those toys were made because of the games right and the Nintendo the Amiibo same thing like they're being made because of the video games but where we've got this sort of flipped around now where these are licensed games based on toys that have been around for decades I don't know I think I think
4: it's uh it, it could be really interesting yeah, I want to see how they integrate the whole building concept into this because we have, you know, very static toys mm. for in most cases, except I think one of the Skylanders series, you can swap some things around. Yes, you can, yeah. Swap Force. I, swap Force, that's what it's called. Yeah. Good name for it.
5: <laughs>
4: <laughs> if you could, like, build your own, like, vehicle or something and then have it appear in the game, that would be awesome. My kids would go ape for that. Yeah they would just like that. Would be the end. I would. I would
5: be so deep in debt. Yeah. Well, anyway, but you know,
1: it definitely seems like the kind of thing where you would need to build it off screen and then put it on the portal. Because like the ideal situation is you can build it live and uh, have the game react. Because there has to be some live live building aspect to this game. But then that would involve you picking up and putting things onto the portal over and over again, <clears> probably.
5: Yeah, so it would need to be simplified somehow, but I mean, it's it's a huge investment for, for like, I mean, my, my kids have a, have a Lego app where you virtually build vehicles, and then once you've built them, you can run them down this little street, and there's nothing to it. Like, it's, it's kind of crap, really, but they love it because it's stuff they built that they're playing with, and, mm-hmm. like, if you could tap into that, but with physical, real-world toys, like, yeah, look out. It'll be amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. The, the last thing I, uh, I was wondering about this is whether Lego still holds the same clout it did 15, 20 years ago as a toy. Because, I mean, when I was young, I, I was born in 94, I'm just a baby. But even when I was born, I, I, uh, Legos were still like a huge thing. That was a huge part of me and the people my age. Nowadays, it seems like Legos are a thing for enthusiasts, mostly. Like, I I go inside the toy stores. People still like Legos. People still care about Legos. People still buy them to their kids versus their kids to some extent. But it seems like as many Legos that there are made for kids, there's an equal portion that are, like, these adult architect versions or, like, these burly Star Wars things or such and such. Like, Lego definitely seems smaller than it was 20 years ago. Do you think that there's a chance that this could still pick up that Lego steam?
5: I think that um uh, just so you know, just to throw this out there, I graduated high school in nineteen ninety four but um <laughs> <coughs> no EGM like th- actually yeah. I think actually they've expanded their market based on what you just said, like I don't know. I can't speak to how popular they are with kids relative to how popular they were with kids 15 years ago. Although speaking, like I said, just in my family, like uh, my two oldest, that's all they want. That's all they ask for is Lego, um, because yeah, it's like the lic- It's all licensed stuff, and it's all very specific kits now. But you know, it still gets played with like Lego, where you put together the kit, and then within an hour, it's taken apart, and they're sure. building their own stuff with it. But then they've expanded that with the architect stuff, um, so that you know older people there's something there for for an older crowd too so i don't know i mean i still think it's pretty super popular but i i don't have any evidence to back that up outside of my own kids
4: <laughs> yeah i mean well, they have lego stores they, yeah
1: they have less than they used to definitely like i Isn't actually it? i was I went to one in Massachusetts that's uh, been there a while, but I, I think I remember other ones closing down. It's still the exact same place it used to be, though. Like Lego Store is still a really fun place. I just, I, I just don't know. I, I don't see as many kids playing with Legos as I, I used. You're to. You're in this
4: weird space though. You're between here, between being the age uh, that you play with Legos as a kid and when you're older, having like the collector stuff or buying it for kids. So. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Sure. You're, you're one unfortunate push away from being Filthyobald. you got to be careful.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Just buy that Star Destroyer and you'll be there.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anywho, moving on to a story that is fully, fully 100% Nintendo, the Mewtwo DLC... That was promised to Club Nintendo members is finally about to come out, and this was promised by uh, Masahiro Sakurai during some Japan-only Nico Nico stream where he said it was just about complete. Though, as as I'm sure you can attest to, both of you in game development, just about can complete can mean a lot of things. It it doesn't yep. mean that it comes out tomorrow. It could mean three weeks, or one month, or three months.
4: Yep, sure. It could mean that you know they're almost done with development, or it's almost through certification, or they're just waiting on a uh, go-live date, it could
1: mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I think they promised, oh. That showed
5: up today for me, finally. Yeah. Oh, nice. What we, well, the, the soundtrack oh, of this oh, game oh, is
4: so oh. great. I got mine, yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. shit. Oh, no, what's good? <laughs> Woo. We're compact disc buddies. <laughs> Yay.
1: And I will never open it.
5: I'll open it and rip everything. Then I'll close it up and put it on the shelf for the rest of my life.
1: <laughs> uh, so yeah, we have no idea when this thing is gonna come out. It's I think they promised by March thirty first, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. Uh, and yeah,
4: it's gonna be part of that direct we were talking about that's happening yeah. on April. Yeah,
0: there you go.
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's it'll probably be like mid April. I bet like Nintendo style like. It seemed like for a while they were doing this thing's out now. And that was the case with like Steel Diver Sub Wars and a bunch of other stuff. Now it seems like this thing will be out in a month. Mm-hmm. It that seems like more the style with Nintendo Directs nowadays, and I think that's what it's gonna be uh for this. As as unfortunately I am not going to be getting the Mewtwo DLC for free when it comes out, I will have to buy it because I uh I, I tried to get lucky with that Wii Mini thing on Club Nintendo and Nintendo uh I got banned pretty quick. We, are going to have to explain, explain this?
4: We mini yeah.
1: Have you guys heard about this? No. no not at all? Okay. So, uh, there's this exploit. It's, to be frank, it is an exploit where uh, the way we mini serial codes work, you can pretty much type in nine random numbers and eventually you would come out with something. Like, whatever you type in nine random numbers, you're within ten numbers away of getting a specific code. And then in addition to that, once you do find one right serial, you have to do, like, a special algorithm. that's like It's like plus one, minus one on the last two digits or something that'll allow you to uh, just keep typing in eight more codes into your family account and get up to 700 uh, coins. I thought because so many people were doing it, there's no way Nintendo would catch me. But then Nintendo <laughs> caught me, and I completely deserve it. I understand <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> I got too big for my britches, and then it didn't turn out in my favor. There you Uh, go. It's in all six of those accounts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They haven't they haven't deleted my uh, my digital games yet, so I I still have an NES copy of Punch Out that'll that'll be uh, protecting me from tears while people get their Bayonetta 2 uh, platinum reward next week. Uh is that, Mewtwo, is that what's happening? Bay I don't no no no. It's I hope so, but there's no way that's happening.
5: I'm so I'm so, so sad I didn't get to platinum this year. It's the only year I haven't gotten to platinum. I'm so ticked.
1: You Mewtwo. have a few days if you want to head over to a GameStop and open up a few cases. Or I think an E V Games in your case.
4: <laughs> yeah, E V Games, you're right. I'm gonna try to register a Wii mini ranking now after
1: we're done. It's I no no they already they already got that exploit uh taken care oh. of. And by the way even if you do one, and I think at least two, you're automatically getting banned. Like, I even, I even tried to play the uh, the card with the Club Nintendo customer service. Like, my friend on Reddit told me that it, it was a legitimate code, and they didn't <laughs> buy it at all.
4: <laughs> Their systems are like, look, someone bought a Wii Mini. No, that's impossible. Damn them. That, that means there's Nobody five of that. them
1: now. <laughs> uh, I actually have been playing a little Project M and, uh, Melee tonight with, uh, some guys at my college, and I am kind of excited to see what they do with Mewtwo this time around. Because hmm. they got, uh, Mega Evolution, two Mewtwo Mega Evolutions for that matter, so he's gonna have that in his Final Smash, and I remember liking Mewtwo way more than I liked Lucario. Lucario is just kind of lame from a character standpoint. True. Yeah.
5: You YouTube might as well be talking a different language right now.
1: <laughs> oh, you're not even a Pokemon I'm guy. I'm not
5: a Pokemon person at all. I mean, I know Mewtwo because everybody talked about getting...
1: Everyone it. knows Mewtwo. Yeah. yeah. Know so you wouldn't know Mewtwo otherwise outside of this Club Nintendo promotion?
5: I know what he looks like, but I mean, yeah. I don't... Like, everything you just said, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs>
1: Oh wow. I just know that
5: Mewtwo's coming. mega evolution and final yeah. smash just means nothing to me.
1: <laughs> He's going to be a Smash Bros character and that's real exciting to someone.
5: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it'll <laughs> be an excuse to break break that game out again. I haven't played that game yeah. in a little while, so
1: yeah. Yeah, it's uh, I remember playing that game for like 60 straight hours in between the 3DS and Wii U versions and then I just haven't oh. played it since then. I mean, it was over, like, four or five months, but it was just, like, I haven't felt the need to go back yet.
5: I was the same way. I didn't go that long, but, like, I was playing it on my Wii U, and then I'd go to bed and I'd play it on my 3DS for an hour. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was really, really into it for a while there.
1: And there you have it. Uh, Thank you so much to everyone watching, or will watch this in the future. Thank you so much to both of my guests for joining me. This was a really, really excellent episode of Nintendo News Report. If you are interested in watching more episodes of Nintendo News Report, you can do so on our Nintendo World Report TV YouTube channel. And before we go, I would like to plug you guys' stuff. Chris, tell me about your Twitter handle, and then your podcast, and then your Adult Swim games.
4: Sure. So, yes, you, my Twitter handle is at SuperPack. And I uh, I do a weekly podcast with Mr. Seward called the Player One Podcast. You can find that at PlayerOnePodcast.com or on Twitter at P1 Podcast. Um, let's see. Adult Swim Games, yeah, go to AdultSwimGames.com. We've got some stuff there. We're doing stuff on Steam, uh, iOS, it's uh every game that we do is awesome, so you should buy it. And uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Do you have
1: any specific game that has just came out that you would like to plug?
4: Um, yeah, we we just put out one on PC called Oblitus. That's really uh, fun. It's like a a platform game, a platformer that's sort of Dark Soulsy. It's uh, you got like a permadeath thing going on, and uh, four different areas with bosses, kind of kind of like uh, uh rogue. Legacy, actually. There you go. Um, a game all Nintendo fans will know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, no, no it's, it's uh... But there's a lot of games like Rogue Legacy. <laughs> it's kind of like Castlevania in some ways.
4: Exactly. Exactly.
1: It's That You know what? Go check out that game. I'm sure it's excellent. That's my promise to you.
4: There
5: you go.
1: And, uh, Greg... What what do you have for us? I, I see something in your uh, in your tagline.
5: Yeah, well, my Twitter handle is at Seward, S-E-W-A-R-T. And uh, outside of the Player One podcast, which I do every week with Mr. Johnston, um, I run a web series called Generation 16, which uh, explores the history of the Sega Genesis, the best 16-bit console ever made. Um, so, yeah, I'm oh, on episode... Yeah, I know. I just released episode 15 a couple weeks ago. I'm working on episode 16 right now. So yeah, go check it out. Generation-16.com And uh, please, you know, leave messages on the YouTube pages. Let me know what you think. i uh love to hear from everybody.
1: There you go. And uh, if you want to watch Player One Podcast live, like you want to watch this show live, you can do so usually Sunday nights at like 8pm Eastern. Isn't that right? It's uh, Check the P1 Podcast Twitter and uh, they will tell you Uh, when that stuff is going down. And Generation 16, I can attest, that is a really excellent show. And uh, whenever you guys talk about it on on a new Player One podcast, I'm always checking it out. So there you have it. Yeah, no problem. That's our show for this week. Thank you so much for watching, everybody. That's all. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, please don't forget to send in your favorite shooter music. That can be a shmup or a first-person shooter to connectivity at which happens to be the same place you can send your listener mail. We love getting it, and we are planning to do another segment soon. Also, if you've got a moment, please take a few minutes to rate and review the show on iTunes. It really helps get the word out, and we would really appreciate it. Thanks!